1: Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle podcast on a Monday. It's an exciting week of college football coming up in Pac-12 football. And of course, USC football, the Trojans finished a regular season at 5-0. Yeah, it's weird 2020, but they did beating UCLA Bruins in dramatic fashion as per usual with this Trojan football team. We got to talk about that, but there's also breaking news who USC's opponent's going to be. So we're going to talk about all of that with Coach Harvey Hyde here on the podcast. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde, or go to his website, harveyhyde.com. If you have questions for us, and you guys sent in a lot of them this week, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com. We also got some voicemails and text messages, a bunch of those. 424-254-9141 is the number. If you have the Apple Podcasting app on any of your devices, please subscribe to the Peristyle Podcast. Leave us. A five-star rating and any kind of review or comments, feedback, suggestions you have for the show. We'd love to hear from you. It does help grow the show when you put a five-star rating up there for us. And if you have any questions there, we'll bump you up to the top of the list and ask them at the top of the show. But we got to get to some breaking news with the coach Harvey Hyde. Coach, first of all, how you doing today before we jump into all this? Well, I'm doing great,
2: buddy. i tell you, uh, football season is uh, something special. I mean, you don't know who's playing who any day. And uh, a lot of close games, a lot of close games, a lot of excitement in college football and NFL football. So, you know, I hate to see it go away. It seems like we waited so long for it. And now all of a sudden it's going to leave us here shortly.
1: It is. And it is happening quickly. It got through it fast. USC ended up playing five of the six scheduled games. And then we got the Pac-12 revised Week 7 schedule. I guess it's not revised because we didn't know what it was. And USC and Washington were slated to play in the Pac-12 championship game on Friday night in the Coliseum. As a backup plan, the Pac-12 was sending Oregon and Colorado, the number two teams from the North and South Division, to Los Angeles to play on Saturday in case one of those teams wasn't going to be able to play. The thought was that Washington coming off uh, a missed uh, game against Oregon the previous week because of COVID concerns, wasn't going to be able to play. We got word today, listen, we're recording this on Monday, a little after 11 a.m. or right around 11 a.m., we found out that Washington was not going to have the minimum amount of players, uh, up 53 scholarship players on the roster. Also, one position group was hit particularly hard. Uh, U.S. The uh, Washington Athletic Director um, had come out and said that there was just too many positive cases. They tried to contain it, but more grew during the week. And they determined they would not be able to play the game. So you got that kind of boilerplate Pac-12 statement that comes out. And uh, you know, we got this a little bit, you know, about 11 o'clock in the morning on Monday. And Oregon is going to be the replacement. A lot of questions there where you have the, the team that didn't win its division could potentially win a Pac-12 championship. There's been a lot of criticism about the Pac-12 putting their best team, USC, In a disadvantage, uh, at a disadvantage because they didn't know who their opponent was. They would have to prepare for two teams. USC had been preparing for Washington, will now have to switch. Plus, USC is coming off a second short week in a row where the team that USC would play, either Washington or Oregon, now it's Oregon, would have two weeks off. Oregon is a healthy team, so they would have the full two weeks to prepare, where Washington wasn't going to be able to prepare as much. So, Coach, I wanted to get your thoughts on this breaking news first. We're going to talk about the UCLA game, but uh, everything that's gone on with this, now you, knowing USC is going to play Oregon.
2: Well, first of all, uh, congratulations, USC. I'll tell you what, they, they got there in a thrilling way. You didn't uh, ever know how they were going to get there, but they found a way to win, and I think that's because the players play so hard and never gave up that they had that opportunity, and now they adjust and play an opponent that Bobby uh, is a bigger rival with them than any other team in the conference. I mean, UCLA is a big rival. Don't get me wrong when I'm saying that. But what I'm talking about in recruiting, as far as namesake, who's going to own the, the rights to uh, the uh, Pac 12 and all of the above. So I agree. Uh, you really should have the two best teams playing. Hate to see a second place team uh, uh, get in to the championship game, probably Colorado deserved it a little bit more, but they, you know, they got beat by Utah. So they sort of cooked their own goose there, but they would have been the team I would assume would have been playing USC. But, uh, I think Oregon will be a tougher team to beat. Uh, but I, yet I think USC is in a position. I'm interested to see just what the number will be on this game. As far as once Las Vegas finds out this happened. And, uh, I don't know if that will help Oregon or hurt Oregon as far as sitting out a week. I think you'll lose a little bit on a bye week. And, uh, I, you know, you'll be healthy, but the timing and everything, you just can't, just can't uh, simulate a football game. And uh, UCLA's game was a real 60-minute football game, and that's something you have a, a high on right now with momentum and so on. So I think that should carry into the championship game for USC.
1: Yeah, so I agree with you. I think Oregon, as far as like what's the best opponent for USC to play, if you're talking about competitive advantage and stuff, it would probably wouldn't be Oregon. You'd want to get a Washington team that's limping in with you know maybe guys that couldn't practice all week. But as far as like you want to make a statement, yes, Oregon's lost a couple of games. They haven't looked like the dominant team, but Oregon came to the Coliseum last last year and absolutely pummeled. USC, Oregon's taken away a lot of the four and five star recruits that the Trojans have coveted over the last couple of years. That's their main recruiting rival in the Pac-12 right now. So getting the opportunity to take down Oregon and win the Pac-12, I think, makes the most sense. There's some fans are like, well, Oregon's going to beat USC, blah, blah. I'm not worried about what the result is. You want an opportunity. USC's had a really soft schedule this year. Needed three, you know, comfort behind wins, uh, last minute fourth quarter wins. I'm just telling you from uh, an outside point of view what would be best for USC to go out and do. If you were going to talk about being a championship team, a three and two Oregon team shouldn't be, uh, you know, the most daunting task. But if you beat Oregon, it's going to help with recruiting. You took away Dante Williams from there, you lose to Oregon, yeah, then I think things are a lot worse. But as far as the opportunity goes, I think the best opportunity. It'd be better to beat an Oregon squad or than a Washington squad or a Colorado squad. I think Colorado would be the more fair choice coach, but as far as USC, you want to try to beat the best. And like right now, Oregon's considered that even with the two losses.
2: Ryan, I'll tell you what, I wouldn't take me much to fire my team up to play Oregon, okay? If I was a USC coach as far as for the players and so on, that'd be one team I'd want to play. I really would. As far as for bragging rights in the West, recruiting the whole package. And you mentioned it, what they did to me last year in the Coliseum. I, it's, it sort of beats for me a, a payback. It's time for a payback and win a conference championship and sort of settle down on who owns the Pac-12, I would tell my team. I mean, there's people that try to own the Pac-12, but we're going to own the Pac-12. And I would get my team really fired up. And as I said earlier, and I'm not trying to put down the Oregon football program, but I don't think they're that great of a football team this year. I've watched them play in all the games. They've come from behind. They don't have this, uh, the timing. I don't think they have the quarterbacking. They don't have the line play they've had in the past. So I think they're a beatable football team. And I think that USC has the capabilities, if they put everything together properly, and play a complete football game. I'm talking about a complete football game. I think they can beat up on Oregon.
1: Yeah, know I think so too. I mean, Oregon definitely looked beatable this year, and that's I think the opportunity you want to have. You want to have the opportunity to take down Mario Cristobal and the Ducks, and who knows, Mario Cristobal could end up going to Auburn, and you really derail that recruiting class. So there's some, you know, with signing day on Wednesday, uh, you know, the early signing period. This is a great opportunity. Uh, you know, now you know you're playing. Oregon. So um, I'm really curious to see, you know, what happens in this one, but it's a great shot. We don't know what Colorado is going to do now. They were supposed to come to LA now. now they won't have to. Um, so that's at least good news for Colorado. But what, you know, we already know that Cal and Arizona have canceled their game. They both had COVID issues. Arizona had, you know, they, Arizona fires Kevin Sutherland. They don't want to play another game. So those teams are out. So will there be a, a, a dance partner for, Colorado that they've really kind of been screwed this year, but they had their opportunity. They had an opportunity to beat Utah and weren't able to do it. So um, we'll see if there's going to be an opponent uh, for them. If somebody else drops out, we saw, you know, last minute dropout uh, last week uh, was it? the Washington state uh, Cal game. That was crazy. So there could be something like that too, but they're going to need some time. Obviously Colorado will need some time to, uh, to schedule a game, but breaking news Friday night, L.A. Coliseum, USC now playing Oregon, which I think is a good deal for the Trojans. Okay. You co- know, Ryan, Oh, go ahead.
2: right. I just want to throw this in. I would be a bit surprised to see Colorado pick up Cal. Now, I don't know just how their numbers are and so on. I just really believe they canceled that football game because Arizona players didn't want to play. What I mean, they got a new coach. What are they playing for? Uh, they didn't win a football game. They just didn't want to play. They all opt out. I just think that that... Now, I'm just guessing. I don't have any inf- inside information. But what would they play for? I mean, I would just opt out. They all have another year next year, and I wouldn't be a bit surprised if Cal, if they have enough players, would end up playing Colorado.
1: Yeah, uh, potentially. But the, the, at least the statement that uh, the, the Pac-12 released said that uh, Cal also was having COVID issues. So the second time... I think they had one player test positive... But then there was contact tracing and they had already. uh, Yeah. So they had already traveled. Um, So we'll see um, what ends up happening there. Uh, We are getting word. um, There was a press conference while we started recording. Uh, Jimmy Lake said Washington had no offensive linemen available to play due to COVID-19 cases and contact tracing. Um, So that's the position group that got hurt. Just like USC, Washington would have had no offensive linemen.
2: That's unfortunate. It really is that some seasons get cut short. Young people don't have the opportunity to play, but that's the times. And, uh, you know, you have to adjust or die. That's what I always say. So, fortunately, USC is healthy. Fortunately, now Oregon can play. Now we have a championship game, and I think it's a great matchup.
1: Yeah, I don't, and I don't get, like, if, if you knew the whole offensive line is out, what are you waiting for? Why did it take this long, you know? Uh, I mean, that's another disadvantage for USC um, that, you know, if Washington knew this, you'd just say, hey, we can't even accept the bid. Like, just move on, reschedule everything. That screws Colorado. That hurts USC. So I'm not sure what's going on here. It's just very strange. But USC will be playing Oregon, you know, barring any sort of other um, crazy things. It's 2020, so you can't bar anything. Uh, But let's move on to the game at hand, Coach. We got a breakdown. We got a lot of questions, but we're going to get your thoughts up the top USC and UCLA. So if you're counting USC has played five games, won all five in 2020, and and three of those games have now come back in the late uh, you know fourth quarter to uh, from behind, take the lead and win the game. That was Arizona State, the miracle one with the onside kick and all that. Uh, the Arizona game, a little less dramatic, but still last minute, and then this one very dramatic, finally taking the lead midway through the fourth quarter after that Talanohufunga interception that was almost a pick six. And uh, UCLA kicks the field goal with under a minute left and takes the lead. And then USC gets a big kickoff return, a bomb to uh, Tyler Vaughns who makes one of the best catches you're going to see. And then Keaton Slovis decides to audible out of a run play from the eight-yard line, throw a fade to Amon Brown, and the rest is history. So just another ho-hum crazy comeback win for the Trojan coach for the Trojans coach what did uh, I want to get your thoughts on all this
2: well first of all a W is a W okay you might have a heart attack along the way well if you're following the Trojans the entire season you may have had more than one heart attack unbelievable this team the way they've been able to come back it's really unbelievable Uh, they've gotten some breaks Uh, they're more or less a miracle type of team to, to assist them along the way but you know that that's part of football. Uh, just imagine the uh, kid that kicked the field goal for UCLA uh, would have been a hero. Could have been a hero, but on the ensuing kickoff, if all he needed to do is kick it through the end zone, because I'm sure, I'm sure Snyder, the special teams coach, called Brian, told him, "You run that ball out. We got to have good field position. There's a chance that you might break it or get us good field position. We can't have the ball in it." The- 25-yard uh, line uh, with uh, a few seconds to go, 52 seconds to go. So, and they hit it. They got 56 y- yards out of it. That brought a lot of momentum into the game. And uh, they've done it before. They had confidence in it. And They went down. They had a couple of big plays to make. They made those big plays. And, of course, that audible down there, as far as, as you mentioned, to St. John for the touchdown, that could have gone either way. Could have gone either way, but it went the right way because a field goal would have won the game, and uh, and you decided to uh, kick a field goal. So, uh, you know, that's the way it goes. 43-38, that's the final, and that's the way it'll be in the book. But they overcame being down, I mean, what What was it, at uh, one time a 14-zip, and then 28-10, and 35-23, 38-26. But the final score is the score that counts, 43-38. I'm very disappointed in that the game... Really didn't have the attendance it could have, Ryan. In that setting, when you saw the Rose Bowl, the lights, can you imagine eighty-five, ninety thousand 90,000 people in there shouting? Could they have had a better game to attend to watch as far as if you were a USC fan? Really, believe me, just a tremendous football game and what an entertaining football game. And again, you'd have to have a pretty good strong heart if you, were, uh, if you are a USC fan. Yeah.
1: Get this, Coach. Um Chris fetters tweeting out from our Washington site. Jimmy Lake also said the earliest they could practice is when they have consecutive rounds of testing with zero positive cases. Quote, our whole team is in isolation. As we speak, the entire team is in isolation. What the heck? Why would they wait to announce this? Sorry, I didn't to jump back to this. This is kind of happening as we're talking. Your whole team is in isolation and you, you have to wait to, to announce that you're not gonna be able to play in the championship game. This makes no sense to me, coach.
2: Well, you know, I I don't know. Maybe they were hoping something would happen, but whatever. They got plenty of time to get ready. Believe me, teams don't do too many things differently. It doesn't make that much difference. You just get ready to play. You get excited for playing uh, Oregon. I think the players are more excited for playing Oregon, at least the USC coaches and Williams will get the team fired up and everybody else. I think it's going to be a great game. I'm more excited about this contest than I would have been the other contest. I'll be completely honest with you.
1: What do you mean? Like, what, as far as like this, you think I, I
2: like them play in Oregon? I think it'd be a better matchup yeah. as far as for the excitement of the game than playing Washington.
1: Yeah. No, I I, I think it's better, but it, this is just unfair to to USC. It's unfair oh, it's to not Colorado.
2: Brian, Brian, Ryan, it's not going to hurt them. Come on. Well, it's unfair it's to Colorado. They don't have a game.
1: Like if you knew huh? the whole team is in isolation, what the heck are you doing? You know.
2: Well, let it roll off of you now. Don't don't uh, get all nervous. I'm about fired this, up. You know.
1: Huh? I'm fired. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh? well, we'll move on from that what'd, so you sorry. Do?
2: what'd you do what did you do join their booster club
1: no I'm just saying like uh what is going on here um you know why are you waiting you know till Monday morning it's like so bummed. whatever okay we're gonna move on from that um more right. on the game the the UCLA game I mean crazy freaking finish yet again um and it's I wrote a column about some USC fans are still unhappy. Like you beat your rival like that in a heartbreaking way. Like there's no better way to beat them. Like it's beating a a, a rival on a last-second touchdown as opposed to like 50 to nothing, like Lane Kiffin did in 2011. I think this is worse. I mean, this is better for USC, worse for UCLA. They thought they were going to win that game for most of the afternoon. I mean, it was an 18-point lead uh, in the second half. It was that dreaded coach. UCLA scores a touchdown. At the end of half, at the end of the first half, and scores a touchdown right out of the gate, in the beginning. So, that's uh, you know the eighteen point deficit for the Trojans to come back. They showed you know they showed some grit. And I you know I don't, we're going to get into questions and stuff later. But I had um, we had a text message I wanted you to address. Um, how can USC fans both say that quote Clay stinks and it's one hundred percent the players winning despite him, and also it's amazing and these kids never quit. It's as if Clay had nothing to do with the never di- never die attitude this team has. But I wanted you to address that that never die attitude because I've never seen something like this: three out of five games scoring in the last minute to uh, to win the game.
2: Well, I tell you, uh, I never felt it's the kids' fault. I've I've always said uh, during the entire couple of years, these kids play hard. I mean, on the defensive side and the offensive football, they're giving it everything they have. I'm really impressed with the effort these kids give. It's putting them in the right position and making it easier for them is what concerns me. I mean, these kids will not quit. These kids continue to fight, and I think they they like each other. I think they play hard for each other, and uh, that has not been a problem as far as I'm concerned. I think the problem is putting them into a position where they can win easier, where they don't have to come down to this type of a finish where it could go either way and, and possibly, you know, this year it went the right way. The next year it could go the other way or could have done that this year. But I, I think it's, uh, you know, the the things they need to do, they don't do till they wait too long to make it happen. Like I've been saying the entire year, you got to run the football and you've got to do certain things and put your positions, your players where they can be successful. Like you finally started to see Drake, uh, Jackson come into the picture a little bit and make some plays and and uh, not drop uh, 50% of the time, but get after the quarterback and stop like he did that one-fourth down play and uh, get in a position where he should be playing, not thinking about what he's going to do and dropping back in passes and, and Malapai running and punishing uh, as far as the defensive backs, the way he ran the football. I wouldn't have wanted to tackle him. Count the yards after the first hit. On he, how far he went. And if you keep doing that and running him down, it just opens up the passing game and makes it easier as far as for the lineman, as far as in pass blocking. And the way, uh, uh, London, the the receiver, the what, the the, big tight end, what he said, and what an example he sets. I mean, when you, when he catches the football, he's not going down. He's not going down, and you're going to have to hit him and drag him and, and beat him to death before he's going to hit the ground. And in that, elevates the play of all the other people as far as on the team it's exciting to watch that type of effort and the other receivers join in and make fantastic catches and so on and and ken and Kenan uh, gets excited about and confidence in his receivers and it's just part of it all on the defensive side of the football do things that well you have a chance to win and and put guys in the you know like i said the right positions because they got players there's no question so it's not the players, it's they play hard. It's just putting them, look at Griffith, the punter. Three punts, 51 yards. Great average, great average. So penalties, minimum, five penalties or three penalties, whatever it was. These are the type of things that you see the improvement on. As far as the football team, you've got to have these type of things or you're not in a position to be able to win. And, of course, UCLA helps stick it up a little bit by going three times on fourth down and not making them and also some penalties down there in the goal line towards the end of the game but that's football. I mean, you got to be uh, at your best when you're playing in these type of games. Now UCLA's kids played hard too. So it was a good football game, but again it could be done and they could have won that game a lot easier because they're running the football in a very simple running type of running attack where they could you know bring it another step farther. Like like JT Daniels is doing it. Georgia is one of the best teams in the country right now, I think, with JT Daniels with great defense and running backs, the way they're running the ball. He's throwing the ball 15, 20 times a game, still getting two touchdowns. He doesn't have to throw the ball 50 times a game. And they're playing great football. Well, SC can be that same type of football team. So, you know, this is me talking, and, of course, it's just my opinion.
1: Yeah. All right, well it's uh it's it was crazy again it was a crazy game it was weird for me coach being in the stands for the first time or in the press box for the first time I hadn't covered a game in person this year this was the first one I was able to and just having no crowd it was just it's so bizarre um and it's just hard like USC would make a big play and there was like no reaction anywhere you're like looking around and I'm like starting to write a tweet out I'm like uh That really happened, right? That I see that because something seems um, very strange about it. It was uh, it was a weird start to the game, I think, where the USC offense just looked out of sorts, and they needed that play from Drake London, where he caught the pass from Keaton Slovis. You know, he's facing his back is to the end zone. He just turns around, and there's Bruins everywhere, and he just runs through them all and scores a touchdown. It seemed like that sparked the offense, but I want to get your thoughts on the defense because um I thought they did a pretty good job in the run, you know, stopping like Demetrix Felton and, and guys like that. But the Dory Thompson Robinson really had a big game. I mean he was 30 of 36, uh for like what, 360 something and uh and four touchdowns, a couple of picks, that great play by Isaiah Pulomao, uh, and then the the one that um Hufunga stepped in front of. But, you know, some of them were just throws to the flat that they made work. But in the be- in the first half those, those short passes went for bigger gains, and USC had a lot of trouble tackling. Uh, but it looks like in the second – and tempo, I think, really hurt USC from UCLA. But in the second half, UCLA sort of shot themselves in the foot trying to use tempo. They, they screwed up a little bit more. It's like they executed it well in the first half, but not really in the second half. But what, what did you see from this defense that seemed to get better as uh, the game goes on?
2: Well, they adjusted to what UCLA was doing. UCLA was really confusing the USC defense early in the game with their flip and flops and the different things they were doing. They, they didn't even get in the right positions. Uh, on the one touchdown, the tackle went over, and they didn't even have anybody over there in the hole. The back just ran right in through. then went for a touchdown. They weren't covering the backs in the flat. And uh, they were playing all the run very strongly, and uh, the play-action pass worked for the UCLA Bruins. But they were confusing the defense an awful lot. They were having a lot of problems lining up. If you remember early in the game, they were flopping one side and the defense would go to the other side and they were pointing to each other who has who. So they were confused early in the game. So Chip Kelly did a good job on that. Now, after they settled down and they figured out what they had to do, then it got a lot better as far as for USC's defense. But again, the quarterback in the first half, you know, Robinson hurt them running the football too. And an athletic quarterback is always... Uh, hurt USC in their defenses as far as the way they defense them. In the second half, it became a lot better. They were playing better and they were tackling better. On the defensive side, they didn't tackle well the first half at all. They were trying to block down people, like hurt people, rather than tackle people. And you got to wrap up and you got to tackle people. You got a good hit on the first hit, but it didn't knock them down, but you weren't wrapping up. So, you know, it's a combination of different things that happened during a football game, but then they made the adjustments later on, and they were able to slow down UCLA. But he had a, a great passing game because USC was more concerned on stopping the run, and that's what opened up the passing game as far as for UCLA. And and he did a great job. Let's don't take anything away from Thompson Robinson, he really did throw the ball well.
1: He did. That second year in a row, he had a big game uh, against USC. I mean, his numbers, you know, Keaton Slovis had one more touchdown pass, but Thompson Robinson's numbers were better than Slovis's on that day.
2: No, it was. It was. They were both ranked in the top five or ten in the country as far as touchdown passes and total yardages and so on. So uh, both quarterbacks had a great day.
1: Yeah. All right, well, why don't we take a quick break and then we'll jump into questions because there's going to be more to talk about this game, and a lot of the questions have to deal with that. I'm sorry, we just, you know, we had the breaking news at the top of the show. We definitely had to uh, address that. So let's take a quick break and we'll come back and answer questions.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Keep your ride or die alive at
1: ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. Why don't we go to our, our buddy, our pal, Curtis from Moreno Valley, and start it off the show. Uh, start off the question segment. Here you go.
2: Curtis from Moreno Valley. Well, well, well. The undefeated 2020 cardiac kids have done it again. I almost turned the game off when we were down by 18. I would have missed one hell of a game. Curtis from Moreno Valley. Uh, Ryan, why don't you comment on that first? Because I couldn't really – it was a little hot or something. I couldn't hear it that clearly.
1: Yeah, no problem. So, Curtis, uh, I mean, it's basically like he almost turned the game off uh, when it was – an 18 point deficit early in the uh, third quarter, but he's obviously he's happy undefeated season. Um, you know, that's where you got, that's what you got going is that they, he's really happy that he didn't turn it off. Cause you would have missed a heck of a game. It was a heck of the game, Curtis. And I think Curtis is our resident optimist, right? I think USC fans that are pessimists and don't, uh, you know, don't want Clayton to be the head coach and all that kind of stuff. This is, you know, this is a great win. Like, you have to take wins against your rival and just cherish them. Yeah, it doesn't mean, boo, you know, oh, I don't like who the coach is, blah, blah. I can't. Just celebrate the win. This Follow Curtis's lead on this one. This is a great win. Are you going to say a 5-0 and season in this pandemic is, like, the greatest thing in the world? No, but you you won all the games, and that's what you want to be able to do. Uh, the You know, it's not, is it a real test? All, all that stuff, forget it. You beat UCLA. Just be happy about it. So I, I'm i with Curtis on this one, Coach.
2: Well, I am too. And uh, I am too because I'd love to be 5-0. I mean, uh, it's a great feeling. What is it, the first time they've been 5-0 and since, what, 15 years or something like that, yeah. Ryan? That's what someone said. Uh, so uh, it's a great feeling to be 5-0. Now they had some breaks along the way, obviously, as far as they didn't have to play Alabama or Notre Dame. But I'll take that. Uh, to be five and zero, I think it's great, and maybe next year you'll have a different schedule. But this is a unique year, so take it the way it is. Be happy the way it is. I know that uh, a lot of people are, you know, saying, "Oh, we should have done better." Or, what if this and what if that? I mean, I'm one that does that too. But you know, take it as five and zero. Be happy for the kids and get ready for the big championship game this Friday night. I, I'm really, re- I'm getting ready for that. And you know, there's a lot of ways we can be critical, and there's sometimes you hear me. But I'm going to try to stay more positive today because it's a positive moment when you win the Pac-12 South, and there are things that could be different as far as what you do offensively and defensively and what Clay Helton contributes during the game. I could talk about all that in uniforms. I mean, I can get in all of that. But why don't we just stay away from that today and enjoy the win?
1: Yeah, Now let's enjoy the win here. Why don't we go to a text message from Surak of Troy, I've noticed that on running plays, the running back is lined up shoulder to shoulder with the quarterback and when handed the ball must begin his carry from a standstill. I have not seen either of them get a running start and a chance to run downhill before hitting the line of scrimmage, or should I say in our case being hit by an opponent's defensive lineman. To me, it seems that any yards gained is due to the raw talent by the back and not a result of a sophisticated blocking scheme. Is this lack of running start because the quarterback is in the shotgun and there's no room behind him? Or is it that, USC thinks they're fooling the defense in this formation. Thanks for keeping us informed, Coach, your buddy and one-time guest co-host, Co- uh, Eric Hyde, a.k.a. Sir Eric of Troy.
2: Oh, yeah. I know, Eric. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, my feeling is, too, uh, you know, I like the eye of the pistols type of formation where your back gets uses God-given ability and find the open area better when your shoulders are square with the line of scrimmage and you're not running laterally, Okay. I think you have a chance to find the seam and be able to hit the seam much better, especially in short yard situations. And, uh, you know, they run laterally, and uh, I, that's what a lot of people are doing now, and it's a lot of zone blocking and so on. The USC doesn't really have a run series where the quarterback runs option out of it or he runs bootleg out of it, or there's nothing that's completed. It's just one deal. It's just one deal. He either runs in the middle or he runs off tackle. And sometimes the back finds his own hole and makes it happen. But it's not a real sophisticated type of running game, so it's all lateral. That's where their play action comes from, and I've always said I think they could be a heck of a lot better of a football team with a real play action type of of system where they get the run going and get the linebackers in there but they've got the backs to make it happen and then pull it out and really be able to make some big plays out of it. Not that they're not making big plays, but it certainly would be a lot easier to have a more balanced football team. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I've been very critical on the running game part of it. You know, I've never liked to name air raid offense from the beginning, but that's, you know, something someone named to it. But uh, uh, I just don't, I just, you know, I just don't think you're a very physical type of team when you don't run the ball more. And I'll tell you one guy that made it physical as far as the running game is Malapi. There's no question in my mind. That the way he gave that effort and that ran the football, he's a winner. He's a football player. He's a football player. And I'll tell you, that kids a football player, too, and so is Carr. But I just don't think the backs have ever had the opportunity to prove themselves under this current system.
1: We also got a text on the same lines. Hey, Ryan, how in the world did they not have Marquis Step in the game instead of Stephen Carr? Um, I, you know, if you watch some of those runs in the first half from Stephen Carr, he would get the ball – And there were people all around him in the backfield. Like he had no shot in many of those times. I think there was one time where he had a little bit of a lane, and he ran and he got like eight yards or something. But I mean, yeah, Carr did put the ball on the ground, but he was he was you know ruled down. But he didn't have a prayer. It was always the point, coach, where I thought, you know, Johnny Nansen's over there coaching for UCLA. Maybe he knew what was coming or whatever. But it seemed like you know Carr, like the the play before the Drake London touchdown. Um, Carr got the ball in the backfield and just got swamped. The next play, uh, Carr picked up the blitzer, and Slovis got the ball to London and ran it down. But it seemed like whenever Carr was running the ball, they were all over it. Like they knew it was coming.
2: Well, you know, uh, you know, it it uh, really you don't you don't fear the run at USC. Running backs at USC are pass blockers. Okay, they're not a running back. They're a pass blocker. They run the ball occasionally, but they're basically a pass blocker. So uh, I look at them as a pass-blocking type of running back. And I'm going to tell you something. They do a damn good job at it, too. I watch them. They stick their face in there, and they pick up the blitzes and stunts really well. They don't get run over very often. And they come across the formation to the backside and pick up the linebackers or people that are coming. So I think they do a good job. But to give them a name running back, uh, they very seldom, uh, you know, are a big part of the offense. The passing game is a big part of the offense. And, you know, you've got to be able to spread the ball and stretch the field. And USC does not stretch the field on the running game. Where do they run? Up the middle. So they jam that or off tackle. They have no threat outside. Their only outside threat as far as the running game is when they throw the screen out there, the quick screen. Uh, nobody attacks the corners. Nobody, there's no pitches. There's no other type of outside uh, defense that the defense has to worry about, outside stretching as far as, you know, any type. Did you see one counter in the game of any type or reverse or anything? It's the, it just isn't there. So it's not hard to stop that running game, and and uh, it's very s- simple because you only have one running back. You've got 12 and they got 11. Keaton's not going to carry the ball ever, never going to carry the ball. Yeah. He never has, so why play him as a back? Why, why even think about it? He's going to slide and not go far anyway. You'll run him down. So that's the way I look at it.
1: Let's let's go to, this is kind of a long one from Trojan Rick. Uh, He says, please finally admit, so he says to me, please finally admit what Coach Hyde and many others have shouted from the mountaintop since day one. We will always be a middle-class team nationally as long as we run an offense that under-talented teams run. Which team looked like they practiced running the ball on Saturday? No team who has been of any substance in the last 10 years has run on offense that clearly does not spend any time practicing or executing run plays, has won anything. And if you or any SC coach attempts to say that they focus on the run and practice, I swear they should be fired on the spot. Because if it looks like it has this entire year, they obviously do not know what they are doing. Here's hoping that Arizona hires Graham Harrell away, And the SC administration grows the the gonads to act like a big boy program and fire the Division II coach we have. Coach Meyer really put things in perspective about top-tier teams not settling on Fox game day. uh, Kids are no longer interested in the Rose Bowl like we are. They want to go to a team that will give them maximum exposure, challenge for national championships, and prepare them for the pros. Fire Clay Helton already, damn it. Fight the hell on Trojan Rick from the depths. Woo, fiery uh, text from Trojan Rick, coach.
2: Well, Trojan Rick, um, you have obviously know football because, you know, you've heard me talk about it. You've got to be a physical, balanced football team that does both. And just take a look at the, mo- the unanimous, you know, take a-, take a look at Notre Dame. Take a look at, at uh, Clemson. Take a look at anybody. Alabama. Take a look at Ohio State. The teams that you want to be like, they all have a balanced attack and they all run the football and they're very physical type of guys and they take pride in it. In fact, their quarterbacks are very physical too and run the football. You don't want to see your quarterback running the football, but they're not afraid of doing that. I'm going to show you that right now. And I'm not saying that USC is afraid of them, but they just don't have it in their offense. You could utilize him some on some type of option or some type of a uh, reed or bootleg or something, just something to stretch the field a little bit. But there's no interest in that. And when uh, Graham Harrell is asked about it, he always has some type of answer that uh, is sort of uh, arrogant, I would say. We don't do that. We don't do this. Or I'm not going to do that. And that's not what we do here. And it's explaining it, why we don't do it. Or explaining it, why everybody else does it and why we don't need to do it or talk about it or look into the camera when you're being interviewed or something. And I have nothing against the man. He's going to be head coach someday, except you got to act like a general if you're going to be a general. And that's addressing your troops and addressing the people that you want to respect you. So, you know, I, I think that, that I just want to ask those questions the uh, same as you do is why don't we have a two tight end jumble eye formation on the goal line package or or something just to help make... Or make somebody else prepare for it, if nothing else. And have some running uh, series that is there for you when you can't throw the football into a lot of these different zones they're running. just doesn't make sense to me. But that's the way it is, and that's the way it's going to be. And under Coach uh, Helton's leadership, he, looks very, he doesn't look very much involved in either side of the football during the game. Uh, I mean, to me... He must put on 10 miles during the game, uh, <laughs> back and forth, back and forth, I'm sure. But he doesn't really in, in get himself, I see, into the offensive huddle or the defensive huddle or mingle with the coaches or walk over and tell one of the coaches what he wants or whatever. Maybe he's communicating completely during the game with his headset. But, you know, I, I would like to see him a little bit more being the general as far as up there uh, in front of the troops, rather, up on the hill with his binoculars.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, to be fair, we were kind of critical of Graham Harrell. In the, we had a Zoom call with him on Monday morning, and he seemed much more interested, so that's good. Um, oh, that's good. Yeah, so I was happy about that. I got to was ask that him about today? Today? That today? was a, Monday morning, yeah. They, I asked him about the uh, – well, I asked uh, Amon Rossi Brown about the uh, that fade route that he – you know, he said there was actually a little bit of a miscommunication that he really only got the call, like – two seconds before it was snapped. It was kind of crazy. Um, So, but it still worked, you know, they've run that. He said he threw a perfect ball, Um, you know, so, yeah. So that was interesting. But yeah, and I asked uh, uh, Graham Harrell about, um, you know, preparing, not knowing which team you're going to prepare for. And he said, you know, it's, he doesn't want to do anything. He doesn't want to, they can prepare in general, but you don't want to put someone in a game plan that you haven't worked on during the week. So now that they'll have a little bit more time, um I think uh I think this is the opportunity, you know, that they're they're going to know who they're preparing for so they can kind of game plan for it. But you know, if they had to make a change like during the game, they're not going to like completely change the game plan. Um it's really just what they're able to rep. And if they're only repping like their generic packages or whatever that's not anything specific for the opponent, so be it. Now I guess they'll at least have that opportunity. Good,
2: good, good, yeah. good. Uh, you know, he has his way of doing things. And obviously that's his job. As long as they perform and win and do the things. Every coach has their own philosophy of what they do and what it takes to win. I have man, mine. Uh, Nick Saban has his. Urban Myers has his. And, you know, you sort of look at what works and what you see and what you need to do. First thing is great players. And then a philosophy where that, that those players fit uh, a system that will win no matter what the situation is.
1: Yeah. Let's go to another voicemail, Coach. Well, Ryan and coach, uh, it's Don from Chicago.
2: I'm exhausted. The game just ended. I thought it was over in the third quarter. All credit to the players. They played their guts out. Uh, they never gave up. It's a, it is a great win. We're undefeated, even though we're probably the worst undefeated team in history. We are a flawed team. We are not a really good coach team, but, uh, credit to the players. They really showed grit. They really fought on. Really, really happy for the players. Um, Coach, I'd like to hear your thoughts about the win and just about what the players brought to this uh, under difficult circumstances. Thanks so much. Basically, ditto to everything you said. Uh, I, I said it earlier in the podcast how hard the players played and. You know, USC is the type of team that's a big play team. You see big plays made by the receivers, by the running backs, by the linebackers, by Ofunga. What do you have, 17 tackles or something in the game? I mean, these are big-time players making big-time plays. And uh, this is what USC is built on, basically. It's a a type of program right now where the players are overcoming – some of the shortcomings that they have, and they deserve, they're making just great plays. You've got a quarterback that can put the ball there, and these players, Tyler Vaughn, and them are going up and getting it. London's going up and getting it. Brown's going up and getting it. I mean, I mean, and Malapie is getting the extra yard when it's there, uh, when it's not there, whenever. And uh, and that's the type of team it is. And Hufunga is making great plays, and these other players are, that are making great plays uh, to to win. Uh, not a it's a different type of team it's a team that uh, if you put all those great players on a system that was really fitting them and giving them all an opportunity with rhythm and so on uh, you know it would be great but right now it's a team that has great players making great big time plays and that's what's won this for this, or put them in this position to be five and zero, oh, yeah. both offensively and defensively. There's no question on mine.
1: Yeah, no, it's definitely been um, it's been players making plays. We got uh, Jeff Wu wrote in. Uh, I was watching the UCLA game with my brother in law, who is a coach, and on that last drive where it's first and goal on the eight, I was yelling at them to throw the ball. My bro said, "Just run it, and you'll still have time." The smart thing was to run it. But I know this team, and if Keen doesn't audible, that play results in a 3-yard loss. That puts us back to a 28-yard field goal. Let's say we run another play and lose another 3 yards. That's a 31-yard field goal. Somewhere in between those plays, I wouldn't be surprised if we could call for a holding or get sacked. We spent all season going backwards on offense. Look at the first quarter. We were 1st and 10 at the Brew and 12. And a couple plays later, it's like thirty third and 35. Then we're looking at a 40-yard field goal. Chip knew exactly what we lined up to do, and once again, our players bail out our coaching decisions. If we let the coaches dictate that last series, I don't know if we win. Uh, That's from Jeff.
2: Well, yeah, you beat the odds. You beat all the odds. Uh, If you want to take an odd show, you beat the odds. Uh, Most coaching situations, you'd be down there, and if you can't make a 20-yard field goal to win a championship, then you're not very good. Because more bad things can happen when you're putting the ball up in the air or getting sacked or whatever you're doing. If you have a running game, you know, you're going to run the ball in, the clock's going to run down farther, and, you know, uh, you're going to win the football game. And uh, they didn't do that, and, uh, and that's one thing I'm critical about as far as being able to get, at least get to the line of scrimmage, okay? And, uh, and uh, they went for it all, and they got it. And, uh, you, you know, they were, they were lucky and good. You put it that way, lucky and good. If now if that ball they would have intercepted that football or something happened, could you imagine what the headlines would have been? Forgoing the field goal, automatic win, and you did, but they didn't. So uh, it's it's you know it's a lot of ifs and buts. And in this situation, they were they were able to overcome it by big plays. Big players make big plays, but common sense wise, that's not the thing to do.
1: <laughs> yeah. But they made the big plays, and they made it work. And that's just kind of been the MO this year. Uh, Let it fly. It's 2020. There's all kinds of weird stuff. No no one's eligibility even counts, so take some chances. They did, and they end up winning the game. We got an email from Don uh, on number 21. He says, great to see the Trojans pull out a great win. Proud of the team gutting this win out. Great to see how happy the players were. It meant a lot to them. The receivers made some clutch and difficult catches. Tyler Vaughn's Looked like the Tyler Vaughns from two years ago. I have one request. Can you play a clip of number 21 tackling someone, not a push out of bounds, not pushing someone from behind and adding five more yards, not coming in late to help Hufunga, but an actual tackle? I know Isaiah Polimau is highly regarded, but can he tackle? That's from Don. Don, did you see that interception he made? And I think he's made plenty of tackles, but I I, I don't have, this is a, Audio podcast. I don't think we have any clips of him making a tackle, but um, I don't know. Any thoughts on Isaiah Polamalu? Coach, Is, was he having an issue tackling that you've seen?
2: Well, I haven't been able to notice it. Uh, he's he plays hard, like Hufunga. and you know when you play hard, sometimes uh, you know you do things you shouldn't. Hufunga's in the middle of a few things sometimes too because he's such a competitive type of guy. And uh, just to watch that interception where he tipped the ball and caught it himself, that, that takes a pretty good athlete to do that. Uh, if you remember a year ago at Arizona state, one of the, I forget what player did that. and They won the game up there. Uh, it takes a lot of coordination and, and that's another big time player makes big time play. <laughs> you look at that type of stuff and that's exactly what happens. And uh, you, you get the play that helps you win the football game. So, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to say he doesn't know how to tackle because I haven't been able to break it down or watch that. Uh, and uh, I, you know, there are some things that I wish USC's players don't go. We've been praised, do, and they're big-time players. But uh, I don't really go along with all the celebration and the, and the jazz talking and cheap talking that goes on a lot. That causes a lot of these, flux, you know, these things that happen on the field. I didn't really. Happy about the way the team ran across the field at UCLA uh, after the game. I'm just being honest with you. If it was my team, I'd tell my team in the locker room how you embarrassed me after a great win today. I mean, to go across or whatever, and I'm not going to mention some of the things that were said or done, but you don't need that. You walk across and you say, hey, great game, man. You guys played played really hard. I mean... It really played well, and, and the other team says congratulations. You don't end up in well, Clay Helton running around trying to catch somebody and slips and falls. and I mean, it's embarrassing to a program. I mean, you know, you've got to talk to your team about that. Before the end of the game, you've got to talk to them about, okay, guys, let's be gentlemen, no messing around, just like when you take a team picture. I used to sit there and preach to my team when we took a uh, a team picture and I'd, I'd turn around and I'd tell him, Hey, sit there and do exactly what you're supposed to do. And don't give any of your signs or anything else, buddy. I'm going to tell you that right now. We'll cut you out of the picture. And I think that's the same thing after a football game that you show the class of the type of football team you are and you walk across and do that. I thought that was embarrassing after a great football game. That's just my opinion. Everybody can have their own opinion, but I'd have talked to my team about that in the locker room. I really would have. And I'm surprised nobody even said anything hardly.
1: There was some talk about it. And there was actually, if you saw, there were some social media videos from the locker room that people were posting. And Don had a take on that too. He said, after watching the locker room videos after UCLA victory, their excitement, uh, the Gipper speech, and the joy of victory, I expect them to play their very best game next week. Looks like the team has bonded well. And looking forward to the next game, um, they were really excited uh, after that game, coach. And you know, got a little feisty on the field, like you said. You'd rather see that than be separated and not uh, have that kind of going on. There were some hand gestures made and things like that, like you had mentioned. But I don't know, with you know, a game, you know, you got to play the championship game in six days. Um, were you a fan? Of, I mean, do you. It's a huge win. You let them celebrate like that. You got a problem. Don's pretty excited about it. That they were, you know, seemed like they're fired up to play. What do you think about it?
2: Oh no, I'm not talking about the locker room. I think that's great in the locker room. I I I think that all the celebrating in the locker room is where it's supposed to be. Your family. We used to play in the locker room. We used to. In fact, I wouldn't let anybody in the locker room but the team. uh, The first five minutes after the game, was if they needed something said to them by me. Nobody needed to hear it. Uh, and when we, uh, I like to talk to my team after the game, good, bad, whatever, then the people can come in. But I I thought that was tremendous as far as the way they celebrated. It was a big victory. It was a big game. It was something to be celebrated about, but what I was talking about on national TV, I mean, what happened after the game immediately following the game on the field. I Uh, I don't like that type of stuff. That's what I'm talking about.
1: Gotcha. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I've done, I think it was great that they were as excited as they were. Um, you want to be able to carry that over into the championship game because you know, even going to the championship game, losing the UCLA, it's going to put a damper on things beating UCLA and then losing in the championship game to the second place team in the North. That certainly would put a damper on things. So I think it puts a little more extra pressure on USC. Like you do not want to lose to Oregon again, especially when, you know, it's going to be this weird asterisk championship where the second place team wins the title game. Like, yeah. So I think you just got to go out and, and win this one just like UCLA. If it's a, Blowout win or a one point win doesn't matter. You just got to win the game. And if it's crazy comeback, crazy comeback. If it's just a whatever it is, just win the game somehow. And then USC fans should be happy about it. just to move on, you know.
2: No, you're exactly right. And I think, uh, like I said earlier, it would be hard for me to get this team ready to play. Okay. Yeah. We'd be ready for Oregon. Okay. A lot of ways we'd be ready for Oregon. So uh, I think it's great they're playing Oregon. I like the matchup. I think everybody else will like the matchup. I think it'll be a nice television audience with Oregon. They've got a nice reputation. And so on. I think it'd be a great game. Yeah. I expect the Trojans to win. Let me just tell you that. I'm not putting pressure on them, but I expect them to win. If that's putting pressure on them, okay. But, uh, hey, that's what we're supposed to be here at USC. We're supposed to win.
1: We've got one last question for Coach Mavenstar. He's, the title is Seriously? So we go for two with about half the game left to be played. Then kick the extra point after our last score to ensure a five-point lead. Tell me what a five-point lead does for you versus four-point when you have uh, a chance to make it six and at least have a chance at preserving a tie if UCLA gets the run back or a Hail Mary touchdown. It would have been smarter to take a knee. And not a word from the broadcast booth about the decision. What am I missing? Mavenstar.
2: Well, I don't know what, what you're missing for a period of time there. They were cheerleaders as far as for some coaching uh, staff member. Uh, they, um, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, can't, I don't want to answer that question. But I tell you, during the game, as a coach, I have a card, and the person in the press box has a card, no matter what the score is, if you're ahead or behind, by so many points, it tells you what to do. And the percentages of how you'll win a football game, it tells you go for two, go for one, go for two, go for one, whatever. And we follow that. We have it because it's been figured out that this is the best thing to do. So whatever that, if they do that, that's what it said on the card. The card said this is what you should do. And that's uh, something they that you have and you follow it. And uh, you know exactly uh, before, if we score here, we're going to go for two. If we score here, we're going to go for one. So that's the way we used to do it. We knew in advance exactly what we were going to do, depending on the time of the game, left in the game, and also what the score was.
1: Yeah. All right, Coach. Well, great stuff. Um, Man, crazy day. You think the game is crazy, and then this uh, circumstance with the title game is crazy, so all of it's pretty crazy. But we appreciate you making some uh, trying to make sense of it all, and uh, we're looking forward to talking to you again after the championship game. But thanks again for coming on, Coach.
2: Well, thank you. I think it's great. I think it's absolutely great. Friday night's going to be great because it'd be a great television audience. I'm looking forward to it right now. I've got something all scheduled, written down on my calendar. Only thing I have to do is draw a line through Washington and add on Oregon, okay? And uh, it's going to be a great game. Enjoy the game, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, again, have a happy holiday, all of you out there. Be safe. Take care of yourself and your families and uh, buckle up out there.
1: Buckle up, everybody, and hope you're safe. And thank you, Coach, and everyone else. Thanks so much for listening to the Peristyle Podcast. Hope you enjoyed it, and we will talk to you next time.
2: The Rose Bowl Legacy Foundation preserves, protects, and enhances the future of the Rose Bowl Stadium as a national historic landmark. America stadium has hosted two Olympic Games. With a third one coming in 2028, two World Cup finals, five Super Bowls, and the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl, since 1923. It is the epic center of college football and is the most iconic stadium in the world. To learn more about how you can support the Rose Bowl Stadium as it turns 100 years young, visit www.inspire2022.org